Well, if you'll stand with me and as we read the word of the Lord to us this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, it says, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another, word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the same by the one Spirit, and to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, the distinguishing of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Father, I pray that Your Word would speak to our life this morning that your Spirit, who gives the gifts, would be glorified and magnified this morning. Father, that we would not seek to gain anything for our own glory, that we would not think that we get things because we're something, but, Father, that your Spirit, who distributes, would be honored in our midst this morning. I pray, Father, that this was, would awaken a desire for your movement in our, our lives. Father, we need your word. We need what you alone can give. I pray that you would speak through me. Because I have nothing to give that is helpful without your spirit moving. Open our ears, Lord. And be with us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Many of us have heard of the famous, you know, you name the televangelist, who, who's well known throughout the world. God did move through that person, but as time went on, they began to love the fame more than the glory of God. And what God had begun as His work became their work. And I think this passage is a very clear warning as to why those men, many of them, fell away. Why many of them began to go away because... They forgot where it came from. And I think many who are seeking to be used by God forget where it comes from, and that's why there's nothing going on. And I believe Paul this morning could say to us that, as I would title this message, the Spirit Himself gives. The Spirit is mentioned multiple times in this passage. It's almost like 
Paul is saying, look, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to keep saying it until you get it. Why would that be? What's the problem? Well, we talked about this a little last week, but in Corinth, many Christians there were getting puffed up with how spiritual they were and the gifts that God had given them. And so Paul is trying to correct this issue, and in this case, this is what he has to say. You didn't get it because you went to the Spirit and you worked so you could get it. No. You got it because the Spirit willed that you got it. But how often do we know people who God has used, not famous, people we actually know, who God has used in the gifts that become puffed up and prideful as though they did something to earn the gifts. And that's not the way that the Bible teaches at all. It has always been, as I talked about last week, about the glory of God and the building up of the church. And I'm going to say that until you're sick and tired of hearing it because if we don't get the purpose of the gifts right, why would the Lord use them in this church or in our lives? Because God's purpose is more important than what we want. It doesn't mean that what we want can't always be in God's purpose because it is many times. Because God is working in our hearts. So Paul starts this section with a picture of the triune God, the Trinity. And he's saying God, the triune God, first point, is the one who distributes the gifts or allocates the gifts or allots the gifts. And we see this here in verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. It's interesting, most of the time when you see a Trinitarian formula, it starts with God the Father. But what does he start with here? God the Spirit. Do you see that? Why? Because in this work, the Spirit is kind of the point man, for lack of a better word. The Spirit is the one that is mainly working. Like on the cross, Christ was the main person of the Godhead working. That doesn't mean that all weren't working. They are. And that's why Paul, I believe, puts this here because it's so easy to separate the Spirit's work from, the, from God because there's a problem. Oftentimes, we think the Spirit is a force. Right? If you ask most Christians what the Holy Spirit is, they would not refer to the Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. They would maybe say, yo, yeah, He's a force. You know, kind of like in Star Wars, for those of you. <laughs> May the force be with you. They kind of use... That's how they use the Spirit. The way they talk about the Spirit 
is like those movies, which I really have never watched, but um, we've all heard that phrase used. So, the Spirit is the, the first person mentioned, and these gifts, this word variety, that's translated varieties, is better translated allotments or distributions, if that makes sense. Because this word, right here in verse 4, is reused again there in verse 5, and then verse 6. But then when you get to verse 11, the word here in verse 11, translated distributing, is the verb for this noun. So I believe that it would be better to translate varieties here, allotments of gifts. That means that there are portions or distributions of the gifts, but the same Spirit. There's not multiple spirits. It is one, the Holy Spirit. And then verse 5, and there are varieties or allotments distributions of ministries. There's a variety. There, there's, there's differences and they're all given out, distributed individually in the church. This word ministries is the same root word from which we get the word deacon, which means service in Greek. So if we want to think about it that way, there a distribution of gifts, the word gifts, which I didn't mention, is the root word for what people call charismatic gifts. Charisma is the word that we transliterate into English. And the same thing with ministries is the word deacon, which is transliterated from Greek. But here he says, and the same Lord. Do you see the reverse order? that I talked about? What, what does Lord here typically mean? Christ, the second person, the Son of God. Typically when the word Lord is used in the New Testament, that's what it's referring to more specifically. So, I don't know if you remember when we did the message on Joel to kind of whet your appetite for this series on the spiritual gifts, but remember Peter saw how the Father gave the Spirit to the Son so the Son could pour Him out. We see all three working together. And that, that's what Paul is ultimately saying. Yes, the Godhead is working together here to give, to allot, to distribute the gifts to each individually. So, he finally says in verse 6, there are varieties or distributions of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Effects here could be tr better translated operations. This is what the King James actually uses, I believe. Or, I also like activities. So, if we, if we see these lists, we see gifts, 
ministries or services and activities. The gifts are kind of more general. You go to ministries, like how those gifts are actually used individually, and then activities are actual individual activities within that ministry. I don't think it's an accident that these are ordered in this way. But the interesting thing is he always says the same. See that? In verse 4, but the same Spirit, but the same Lord, but the same God. It is God who gives ultimately. And more specifically, when we get to verse 8, we'll see He gives through His Spirit. So, to whom do these go? Like, what what are these things? It says, the same God who works. It is God who works. He brings about the effects, the service, and the gifts. It is His work, not ours. It's not something we work up as we, Megan and I saw one multiple times with a certain particular person in Guatemala who would work themselves into a frenzy because this woman did not have a true understanding of what the gifts were. They thought it was an emotional high. And how many of you have experienced that or seen people on emotional high but it doesn't last because it's not really from God that doesn't mean that we won't have an emotional high when the spirit of God is moving because they're interlinked we are whole people and God gave us emotions for a purpose but when it is spiritually led and the spirit of God is moving we will see An emotional effect, yes, but that's not the primary. It will be a spiritual change that will last past the emotional high. I know when I was a teenager, I know a little while ago, a teenager in early 20s, I always looked forward to camp because God did move there. I'm not denying that, but I was going because I wanted to get that high. But the high didn't last for me because I was going to get a high instead of spending time with God daily and realizing that I needed that weekly, daily, monthly, yearly relationship with the Lord every day. I couldn't just live from conference to conference or or camp to camp. I needed that relationship with God that lasted every week. Because the high from camp was great because here were all these people who loved the Lord and God would move. Absolutely. But the problem is when I got back, it would feign because I didn't build discipline into my life. I didn't spend time with God. I thought, well, that high will last me till next camp. I don't, I don't need to go get new bread every day. I don't need that new manna. But God showed me 
I can't remember when it was, but he showed me that I was looking for a high than, rather than a relationship with him. And when that changed, the effects of camp changed. The relationship with God grew because of the camp. Instead of being a high that just lasted for a moment, it was a, it was a, a high that continued. A spiritual and emotional relationship with God that was growing. I say that because God is the one who works. It, it, I was thinking I could, just by going to camp, that that would fix my problems. But the problem was, camp doesn't fix anyone. Jesus Christ does. And a relationship with Him is all that can give us hope and strength and power over the devil. So it's God who works. All things. What all things? All of these things. Right? Not just some things, but all of these things. He is the one who works. And it's actually He who brings about these activities. But he doesn't just do it with all these things, but it's in all persons, in all people. This is no accident. This is a collective of, of one person. God is the one who brings us about, not us. The triune God brings this about. Verse 7, though, he gives us kind of a, a disclaimer of sorts. Why? Because in verse 7 he says, but to each one, so now he's, he's talked about all persons, and so to each one, to each one of these people who receives, who God works in, each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So, God doesn't just work in all people as kind of like a collective. No, He's working individually in each of your lives. Why? Because that is how God works. He's working in all, but He's also working individually to each one. And this manifestation, what is it referring to? Those four things. Or the three things, sorry. Right? The gifts, the ministries, and the operations, activities, effects. Whatever you want to want to, to use there. So, the Spirit is manifested in these things, in each one. So, He's, he's being more specific to you and I individually. God gives gifts to each one individually. But it's not for our own good alone. What does he say here? For. 
Your glory. Is that what it says? At the end of verse 7? Anybody looking at your Bible? What does he say? For the common good. We talked about the edification of church. That's what he means. It's for the good of everyone. It's not just so you can walk around, oh, I'm a great healer, or I'm a, I'm a great prophesier, a prophet. <laughs> prophesier. Prophet, I'm a great preacher, whatever it is. It's not so you can walk around and feel important. God is giving you a gift so that you can be used in it for the good of your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not about you. Yes, you will be built up and strengthened as well, but your gift is for the whole, not for your own good. This phrase, the common good, is actually one word, and this word is often used in Greek, and especially in Corinth, to talk about benefactors. So in ancient Corinth, if you were rich, you gave money to people who came to you, and they were your benefactors, and, and you provided them with a service, and they would give you food and money and housing. And so... Uh, one commentator said this. He said, The welfare of others in secular life was the object of benefactions. So this word that we're seeing here, common good, is for the welfare is welfare of others. And Paul has used, here, uses the same word to stress that what each has been given is for others. In secular Corinth, the elite paraded their gifts and abilities, believing that it was these that gave them status and significance. So, oh, look at all my money and all that I have. Why? Because then they would get more benefactors and they could go over to their neighbor who had a nicer, who had used to have a nicer, look, I have a hundred people below me, you only have 99. My car goes 10 miles faster per hour than yours does. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> Just a joke. But they would go around with their gifts, their wealth, and, and flaunt it like, oh, we're so great. Look at all the people that we can help. And it wasn't about... God's glory. And so the problem is this mentality had crept into the church because they're surrounded by it. They didn't realize that they were being this way. So they, they wanted people to be like, oh, you're so amazing. You, you have these gifts. God has given you these things. You're such an amazing person. You should, you should sit in the front row because God has given you those gifts. No. What Paul is saying is, no, it is for the common good. Get that out of your mind. Don't act like that. God gives the gift for the good of everyone. For the welfare of everyone. I think this is something that is often forgotten. And I think I hit this last time when I started this series. 
But it's so common. I have found in a lot of charismatic circles or Pentecostal churches to elevate people who have been gifted in one way or another to a place of prominence as, as though they're an elite in the church. And that is not right. It'll never be right. And that's why those churches begin to walk away from God. Because when you begin to elevate a person because God has gifted them, then that person becomes greater than God. Why? Because they're stealing God's glory. And eventually that person will have a higher authority in your church than God Himself. And what happens then is the church is led astray because that person begins to say things that are not found in Scripture, but because we have elevated that person to such a height, they become the final authority. And that is not healthy. So when we are seeking God's move in our church, in our lives, in our day-to-day work, We need to remember this. It is for the common good. And these gifts don't just apply in the church. They apply at your work. They apply at your school. They apply at your home. These gifts are for the good of your families, for the good of those that are around you. It is all about His glory. That's why we were created, to glorify God. And that's why He gives His gifts, so that God will get the glory. That's why we were created. So the Spirit gives, the the triune God gives the gifts. Why? For the common good. I mean, that is a great truth that we should leave here today with. And Paul goes on to be more specific, starting in verse 8. And this is our second point. Or, well, the second point was that it's for the common good. The third point is the Spirit gives. That is what you see common from verse 8 to verse 10. It is the Spirit giving. Paul is actually not focusing on what these gifts are. If you look at it, his point is not to elevate the gifts. His point is to elevate the Holy Spirit as the giver. Because... The word here, listen, for to one is given. This is the only time he says the word given. If you notice, from verse 8 until verse 10, that verb, given, is the only word that is used to govern everything that's given. Because Paul wants us to be sure that it is the Spirit who gives. And how do we know that? Because, look at this, look at the formula that Paul uses for each phrase. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Okay, we said Spirit once here. 
and to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. Two. To another faith by the same spirit. Three times. And to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. Paul, you're getting a little too excited with this phrasing. Come on, change something up. Did I do gifts of healing by the one spirit? I don't think so. Oh, Paul is... Paul, you need to have more variety in your writing. Okay, he he gets a little bit calmer there, right? In verse 10, he doesn't say the same spirit, but he's made his point. He's already said five times... The Spirit. Why? Paul does not want them to leave reading this letter thinking that the Spirit is just a force. He wants them to re- realize they are receivers of the gift. Right? They're receivers. They haven't achieved the gifts. They didn't go out and earn them. They're receivers, not achievers. Because it was given. And next time, we're actually going to go through this list and and talk about them. But this week, I don't think it's the main point of this message. The main point is that it is the Spirit that does and gives. It is not us. We aren't the ones who get it by working hard. The the Spirit is not given to us because we're more spiritual than someone else. The Spirit is not given to us because we've walked with God for 20 years. The Spirit is given because God gives. Because the Spirit, in His mercy, gives to us. It is not earned So the Spirit is the giver. In verse 10 he says, And to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, distinguishing of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Then in verse 11, this is, this is everything together. Verse 11 is like, Okay, I've said what I'm going to say, this is what I said. If you want the cliff notes on verse 4 through 10, this is your cliff notes for those of you that ever read those and didn't read the whole book. It says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things. What things? Everything mentioned from verse 8 to verse 10. And the gifts, ministries, and Activities that are t- spoken of in 4, 5, and 6. The Spirit is the one who works these things. The Spirit who is God, who is spoken of in verse 6. The God who works all things and all persons. But the one, but one and the same. Paul is not saying one and the same just so that we just pass by that. This is emphasizing 
Yeah, that one, the one, the spirit that is giving the gifts, this is the same one who gives all these things, who works all these things. This, this is the same one. Get it. Maybe they were thick skulled like some of us. They needed to, to hear it really hard because apparently verse 8 through 9 wasn't enough. So he just wants to make sure that when they finish verse 11, they realize it is the same spirit. The one and same. We wouldn't use that in English unless we wanted to emphasize something, right? And it's the same in Greek. He wants us to see the importance that it is the Spirit who works. But then he says something that can sometimes seem discouraging. And this is the fourth point. The Spirit distributes as He wills, not as we will. As this say, He says, He works all these things, distributing to each one. Who, who are these ones? Again, go back to verse 6. All persons. Are you a believer in Christ? You're one of those. He's talking to you this morning. So he's distributing to each one individually. That doesn't mean that God doesn't pour out his spirit in in meetings, but he's doing it on an individual basis. This is the beauty of Christianity is Christianity is a, a collective A church is a collective group of people who've gathered together, but God is working in each of us individually for His glory. Together, but individually. So He's distributing. Remember, that's the same word that we have there that's translated varieties in verses 4, 5, and 6. He's distributing to each one individually just as He wills. Not just as the church wills, the pastor wills, the singing group wills, the worship leaders will, the individual in the church pew wills. No, as the Holy Spirit wills. It is His will to give. And we can't make Him do it. Now, you're probably getting discouraged. I said that, right? This can be discouraging. It can make you think, well, if the Spirit doesn't move, if He doesn't want us to have the gifts, then we're toast. Well, Paul doesn't leave us here. You know how I know this? Turn with me to chapter 14, verse 1. So right after Paul has written this chapter on love, being the center of our relationship with the church, our relationship with God, in verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Pursue love. Yeah, pursue it. But, or yet... 
desire earnestly spiritual gifts. See that? Why should we desire something earnestly if, if the will of the, the Father is, or the Spirit only gives to those He wants to? Well, made me think of Luke 11. So turn there with me. This is most famous because this is where Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. Instead of telling them, okay, these things, he actually gives them a model prayer. Right? He says, when you pray, say. Then he gives them a prayer. Then he he gives them a, a parable. And in this parable, he he has this friend. So let's just act this out in today. Let's say that me and Joel were neighbors. And one day, I have a friend come over, and they're hungry, and I'm like, oh no. Since COVID, Walmart's not open 24-7, so... And I don't have anything in my house to give my friend, because he's hungry, he's been driving all day. Okay, I'm going to go to Joel's house and knock on the door. Maybe Joel will give me some food to give this person. And Joel answered, no, we're in bed. Leave us alone. Go away. So even though Joel's my friend, he's like, my kids are asleep. Stop banging on the door before I come bang on you. (laughs) With my fist. My wife is asleep. I'm asleep. What is wrong with you? But if I keep knocking on the door, what is Joel going to do? He's going to keep getting irritated, but eventually he's going to give me what I want. So I'll go away. <laughs> it's kind of like my dog. When I get home, if he has, she hasn't been fed all day, she starts barking. She hasn't barked all day. But when I get home, she's like, Dad's home. Okay, I'm going to start barking. Because she knows that... I know that that means she's hungry. So she'll bark. And I'll be like, okay, who didn't feed the dog? And she gets fed. Because nobody likes a barking dog, right? Unless that dog runs away people you don't want near your house. But anyways. um, So Joel would give me the food, not because we're friends, but because he wants me off his front porch banging on the door and he wants to go back to sleep. And Jesus uses this example here. He says... I tell you, even though, verse 8, he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Do you see that? And then Jesus says this, So I say to you, so Jesus has given this vivid picture to us, and then he says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. So is it unfaithful for a Christian to keep bringing requests to God? Not according to Jesus right here. 
The question is, are we asking in faith or, oh God, if you'll do this, maybe, oh, that's different. But if I'm going to Joel's door and knocking at midnight, I believe he's going to get up and give it to me. I believe he has what I want. Because I saw Laura come in with her Costco haul that morning, and I'm like, ah. Well, I don't know if she shops at Costco, but um, Sam, wherever she goes, I'm like, I saw her Instagram post, and she had a picture of all the food. I don't even know if she does that. But you know all these people on YouTube and whatever have their food hauls. Look at all I got for this money. Well, they should just start doing Aldi hauls because you go to Aldi, you could buy the whole store for $200. But (laughs) uh, anyways, but I know that they have it because I saw them bring food in. And I know they didn't need it all that night. So what God is saying and what Christ is, is showing us here is, to ask because we know he has it. It's his will. And what is he talking about specifically? Let's see, verse 4, verse 10 here. For everyone who asks receives, and who who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Now, suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, will he not give him a scorpion? Would, would, that, would a father do that? Uh, an earthly father, a, a loving father, give his son a snake instead of a fish? Or a scorpion instead of an egg? Well, maybe if you don't have eggs, and all you can eat is a scorpion, which some people do eat them. I don't know how that could be good, but... Um, but... If a, son has the, a father has the ability to give his son a fish instead of a snake, he will. And if he has the ability to give him a, a, an egg instead of a scorpion, he will. It says, if you then, being evil, if you then, being sinners, are, are going to do that, it says, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you Good things. Is that what he says? No, he says, How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What is he saying? This is for all of us. But we need to be persistent. We need to seek earnestly. And that's my, my desire. I pray that we would seek earnestly that the Spirit would give us the gifts of the Spirit. Not for our own gain, but for the glory of God. Not for our own gain, but for the edification of the church. But it is the Spirit who gives. It is not a particular person. You know, these, some of these people say, well, for $100, I'll pray over you and you can become a prophet. Or you can get this or whatever. There are people like that out there. I know it may shock you. But... You don't need some special person to pray over you. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't have people to pray with you. You can do that. But you can ask the Father directly through the... We have that relationship right with Christ. I know I may... I hope... I'm not too excited for you. (laughs) But... 
just in studying this last night, I'm just more and more expectant that God is going to do this for us. But we must earnestly seek. Because we know it's God's will to give us His Spirit, right? We know it's His will to give us the spiritual gifts. Why would Paul be writing about it and then tell us to earnestly seek them if God didn't want us to have them? That would be a completely useless... We just might as well throw chapter 12 through the rest of 1 Corinthians out. Because that's the whole point. That we would experience the gifts. And he, gives, he does give prominence to some gifts and talks about the importance in the church of some gifts. But we must remember, it is the Spirit who gives And He gives according to His will. And we know that it is God's will, right there in Luke, to give His Spirit. And that if we ask with persistence, we earnestly seek the gifts, God will give them. Have we been earnestly seeking the gifts? If we look honestly at our, our lives, our prayers, is that what dominates not, not saying we throw away a relationship with Christ, because that is absolutely... But are we seeking that our relationship with Christ and with one another would be built up as we experience the move of the gifts? I pray so. I, I honestly can say I haven't earnestly sought as I should. And we all should be seeking to be used by God in this way. And these gifts, I think Paul speaks of these gifts in the way that he does, especially in 4, 5, and 6, to show us that it doesn't matter what your position is at home or at work. The the claim that you get in the world doesn't matter in comparison to being used by God for the building up of His church. Whether that's the adding of souls by the Spirit's work through you to bring the lost to Christ. Whether it's in training your children to serve God, to be His children, to see God transform their hearts. Whether it's you at your work being honest having good character so that when people think of you, they think, well, that person is different. They tell me the truth even when it is not advantageous to them. I can't tell you how many times I've had customers say something like that. Even when I lost money (laughs) because I was honest about it. But our witness doesn't just extend to this church building or on Sunday and Wednesday when people see us in a a little dressed up. No. Our witness extends to everyone we encounter daily, weekly. We need His Spirit. And we should be seeking it earnestly that His Spirit would be given to us and His gifts that flow from the Spirit, not a force, would be poured out in our midst.
Well, let's pray and then we're going to sing together. And I pray that as we sing, we would be thinking about God's move here. I don't know what Kendra has, but I know that we'll have an opportunity to worship the Lord this morning for His many gifts in our life, not just the spiritual ones that He gives. Father, I pray that we would delight in You. That our relationship with You would be the foundation for all that we say and do. That Your Spirit would move here among us. That You would apportion, distribute to each one of us Your gifts as You see fit. Your ministries as You see fit. The activities that You move through Your Spirit as You see fit for Your glory in the edification and building up of your church. Lord, we know that these are things that you desire for us. Give us a, not only desire for that, but a constant need to see those things happen here and to happen in our homes, at our work, our school, wherever we are, Lord. We praise you and thank you, Lord, for being with us this morning. And I ask that as we come to praise you in song, that we would show our gratitude and and our love for you. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.